I tend to believe that the pressure of relevance demanded by live TV and radio leads many folks to say all sorts of things that might suggest strong conviction, but which likely would prove unworkable in real-world investment situations. And the thing about talking heads, full disclosure, I used to be one, is that they don't seem to be held accountable for past pronouncements they got wrong. Makes for too awkward a live conversation, I imagine. Pays then to be audacious in one's predictions. My favorite such pronouncements are the ones that amount to, well, I just wouldn't own equities here. Right, perhaps, but, well, that's not generally a workable investment strategy. Some items to consider. If the manager... Okay, but let's be honest. Folks who actually manage other people's monies are far rare among the talking heads crowds. Okay, so if the pretend manager is actually any good, he or she is sitting on gains on the equity destined for sale, yes? What might be the tax implications then of that sale? Let's generously assume a 15% tax hit on the long-term gains generated by the sale. Must be that the expectation is for the forecast decline in stocks to far exceed that tax bill, yes? But assuming a long-term tax rate would be rather too generous, I think. Markets are such volatile things, and for such binary prognostications, own stocks or don't own stocks, to be deemed sufficiently consistent and profitable to be worthy of following in the first place, there must be many such turns of conviction with regard to the ownership of stocks over the past few years. And many of those periods probably didn't extend beyond a year. We therefore need not be so imaginative to think such changes in tones would have realized a mess of short-term gains. When tactical calls such as these generate short-term gains, the hurdle not only to get the call right, but get the magnitude of the difference in potential returns from the taxed divestment versus the stay-the-course approach is much higher. Most predictions on the TV aren't so brash, though. Still doesn't mean they're practical, or that implementability is even among the reasons such pronouncements are made. Take those from folks who aren't so bold as to say in or out, but who'd rather tell you which sectors you should own and should not own. We've lately heard lots of folks hooraying the energy sector. Of course, we're well into an extended period of outperformance of that relatively small group of companies, which is up in excess of 65% year-to-date, while all but one of the other 10 major sectors are down on the year. So it looks great to suggest one has only owned energy for some time now. And that's a bit of a trick of the trade, by the way. Tell folks what they should own now, having chosen among the recent big winners. Listeners will pull up a chart and see just how smart you are, or were. Were you actually? Side note, it's easy to have inadvertently added to one's energy sector exposure this year. Since it's up and everything else is basically down, energy's weight in a portfolio would have risen, all else equal. Of course, even as many might therefore be somewhat or even a good bit overweight in energy, most folks likely didn't only own energy stocks over the past year. And that's because they just can't. A portfolio so concentrated in one sector, in our view, is one destined for eventual disaster. And the most important reason why is, who knows what may come of it? And by it, I mean it all. War in Ukraine, inflation, monetary policy, student loan forgiveness, leadership of the Senate, European debt travails, the vast array of obvious weather challenges by which the world presently is beset. You know, the list of worries constantly paraded as reasons to be cautious of owning stocks. If we focus solely on such matters, though, and if we truly believe they would, not might, but would permanently crimp expected returns on stocks, then we'd be forced to sell our stocks and own something else. Of course, that thinking would have to permeate all potential holdings, such that we mostly would be forced to own only cash. Despite the rise in interest rates we've seen so far this year, the expected return on cash remains relatively light. 
Certainly, each of those risks is cause for consideration, but one must understand that even if the potential non-investment repercussions of those risks are obviously negative, that does not mean that the potential market repercussions also are negative. It's important to know, too, that the consequences of such risks are not always comprehensively negative. The outperformance of the energy sector is just one example of one group's loss being another's gain. Even more relevant to this conversation, I think, since everyone already knows those risks exist, and may have existed for some time actually, we would argue that the market already reflects everyone's expectations for the various impacts of those risks. So no one is getting ahead of the market by simply reviewing the present state of affairs. There's no genius in suggesting that Europe faces a challenging winter given the potential lack of sufficient energy stores. Most matterful is what's next. What's to come of it? And, well, this will be a bit repetitive for regular listeners, no one knows. And while we generally do maintain our own range of expectations for such things, they generally do not influence our investment approach, which we have sought to design with the volatility inherent to investable markets well in mind. Some examples. As we sought to be prudent stewards of client monies, we knew that it was very much not prudent to pretend in December 2021 that we knew that the market would decline more than 20% by mid-June 2022. And we frankly would admit that we also did not know that the market would rebound so convincingly. Similarly, we had a sense that markets would not take kindly to the vast uncertainty presented by the early stages of the COVID crisis. We also didn't know in March of 2020 as we were rebalancing most portfolios back to their target equity exposures, mostly by buying stocks and selling bonds, mind you, at a time when many thought the idea crazy or even monstrous, that March 23rd would prove the bottom for the market ever since. And the knowledge of that lack of knowledge is the very premise for what we continue to find the more prudent approach of staying invested through market tumult such that we gain the longer-term benefits of equity ownership. That is, we've long understood that history shows folks tend to be better off sticking with an existing strategy during market drawdowns. We also know that for any given date in the future, the expected return of a stock purchase is inversely proportional to the price at which we buy it. It's a fancy way of saying buy low. It's just the nature of markets to be volatile. That volatility is the expression of the very risk that we understand in theory and that we see in market history is the basis for the historical returns we have achieved and the forward returns we expect to see by owning stocks. And that's why we think the most critical component of our investment approach is to ensure as much as we can that we match portfolio exposure to investment risk with the portfolio owner's capacity and tolerance for market risk. Gauging risk tolerance isn't a science, though some scientific methods may aid the effort, so we think conversation and interpretation is necessary. And risk tolerance is likely to change through time, so regular revisits to the matter are required. Despite that challenge, though, we think it's still vastly more likely we'll correctly set an appropriate broader asset allocation for clients than it would be for us, for anyone for that matter, to consistently time market moves that actually keeping clients invested according to an existing plan, despite the likely near and medium-term market challenges they'll face along the way, remains, in our view, the best means for helping clients achieve their financial goals. Importantly, this podcast is not presented as an investment recommendation. This is not a solicitation to invest in any investment product of Signature Resources Capital Management. 
Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment advice or to predict future performance. The approach described may not be right for everyone. No one listening to this podcast should take our comments as advice specific to or appropriate for their individual situations. Individual circumstances should be taken into consideration when determining a suitable investment approach. All investing carries risk, including the potential loss of principal. As with any analysis of economic and market data, it is important to remember that past performance is no guarantee of future results.